My name is Justin Zolkowski, and you're listening to Random Babbling, Confessions of a Christian Libertarian. Well, it's Valentine's Day on Tuesday, so guys... You better step up your game and get your special someone something great. Or at least something that will keep you out of the doghouse. In honor of this day that turned a story of a martyr into a greeting card holiday, we'll talk about marriage. I've been married just shy of a year, so I'm still considered a newlywed. I've learned a lot within these first 11 months. The biggest thing I learned is how selfish I could really be. I also learned how to truly love someone else. My wife and I are partners. We play off each other's strengths and weaknesses to get stuff done. She actually keeps me organized, including this podcast. Now, do not begin to know everything about marriage. But I will say that my spiritual and political views on marriage haven't changed since I've been married. In order for me to really discuss what I believe, let's look at a state of the state of this institution today. Today's marriage doesn't look like it used to. Not too long ago, it used to be that the man went to work Monday through Friday, the wife stayed home. Then more and more women entered the workforce. Now there were two income households. Then out of that came the latchkey kids. Then change really started to happen. This day, as you know, any two individuals can get married. On June 26, 2015, the United States Supreme Court in a 5-4 to four decision stated that same-sex marriage was now legal. The name of the case was Obergfell versus Hodge. This was decided for the whole country. Now, various states before this had their own dealings with this issue. Here in California, it was on the ballot as an initiative twice. First was Prop 22 in 2000, and then again in 2008 with Prop 8. In both instances, the Golden State voted to keep marriage between a man and a woman. This was shocking, especially the second time, considering how progressive this state is. But this all changed on that June day. Now what we are seeing, at least in a mainstream media sort of way, is that same-sex couples are more moving towards what looks like the traditional family, while straight people are moving away from marriage and having kids. I have a theory about this, and I'll discuss it a little later. But this is the reality that we now live in. I love my wife very much. So what are we to do? I have a love that feels now, marriage like is the time that I've known her has just flown by. A lot. I Proverbs 18.22 states, like He who finds a wife her. finds a good thing. She truly is the greatest blessing I have. But what is marriage supposed to look like? I feel that this verse has rung true in my life. We see this in Ephesians 5.22-33. through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, 
or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Marriage today looks nothing like this. Many people think this is too antiquated for 2017. But the Bible is both timely and timeless. What throws most people off is this first three verses about the word submit. They hear this and they think the Apostle Paul has given men permission to be domineering towards their wives. This isn't true. John Piper has a 10-minute video on his website, Desiring God, titled, Six Things Submission Is Not. They are, 1. Submission is not agreeing on everything. 2. Submission does not mean leaving your brain at the altar. 3. Submission does not mean that you're trying to in- you do not try to influence your husband. 4. Submission is not putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. 5. Submission does not mean getting all her spiritual strength through her husband. 6. Submission does not mean living or acting in fear. The submission that she shows for her husband stems from the love she has for Jesus. Her love for Christ shows her how to submit for her husband while keeping her dignity. She models the church because her husband should be representing Christ. Now men have a little more stringent rule of marriage. Men are responsible for the family. We see this in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. Who did God go to first? Uh, It was Adam. Why? Because he was the leader. He is the one who must answer to God as to what goes on. This role is a loving role. We get the illustration that the man is supposed to love his wife like no other person on earth. Now, if a man loves his wife like Christ loved the church, he must be willing to die for his wife because Jesus died for his church. This is the beauty of marriage. It is the closest thing we have to the relationship between Christ and the church. But as more... As more time passes since the fall of man, the more things that upset God become normal, and the more that that pleases God becomes rare, which could be the reason families with same-sex marriage may appear to be more prominent. Now, there's always been a friction between the communities of Christianity and homosexuality, mainly because the Bible speaks against homosexualities, like in Romans 1 or 1 Corinthians 6. Many in the homosexual community claim that Christians are homophobic. Many in the Christian community claim that homosexuals are forcing an agenda on everyone. Yet there is a strange rift, an attempt to build a bridge if you think about it. There are people in the Christian community who think that homosexuality is not a sin. Even though the text clearly does not state anything positive on the subject, many claim that this statement about the era that Paul lived in and that it does not apply in today's world. The truth is that many Christians in Western society subject their faith to Western thought. Obviously, I am for Western thought or I wouldn't be doing this podcast. But 
what many people don't realize is that Christianity is an Eastern religion. Western Christianity has become very individualistic. It is all about the individual and their relationship with God. But what must be realized is that an individual relationship includes others. If two parents have five children, the parent and child have a relationship that includes the whole family. An important aspect of Christianity is not embraced by Western culture, is that of community. Everyone, although an individual, has a role that affects everyone else. It's like a human body, as stated in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. If one part of the body is not functioning, the whole body may be able to survive, but the body is still affected. Many Western thought pushes more of a collective, a group of individuals. An example that comes to my mind is trail mix. It's stupid, I know, but hold on. In trail mix, there are nuts, raisins, and sometimes candy. Each element can stand on its own, but if one element is missing, it does not affect the trail mix as a whole. How does this thought affect the way Christians see homosexuality? We must view sin, all sin, as an impedance on God's will, like a sickness to the human body. The best way to prevent the sickness is to avoid its influence on the healthy. If the church allows members and leaders who are willing, willingly dwell in sin of any kind in, then the whole body becomes affected. God's perfect will has been tainted and is no longer his will. The redemption in this, however, is that God can see what is going to happen. He may allow this corruption to happen or not happen in order to ultimately reveal his glory. The problem on the side of Christians is there is enough ammunition has been provided to give them bad PR with the homosexual community. For whatever reason, that sin has been highlighted. It is funny when evangelicals fought for, against homosexual matrimony for the sake of sanctity when divorce, the divorce rate inside the church matches outside. God hates divorce, as stated in Malachi 2.16. Yet there is no mention of that. What the church needs to do is be an agent of change out of love and not by force. Out of love, Christians need to talk to others about Jesus and let the Holy Spirit change their behavior. Out of regeneration and sanctification instead of using holy legislation. An issue that has come up about the Supreme Court's ruling on same-sex marriage is that of the Tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution. It states, The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, or reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. To sum it up, if it's not covered in seven articles of the Constitution, then this issue belongs to the states. Marriage is not subject to the Constitution of the United States. Therefore, it is the responsibility of each individual state to define marriage in its jurisdiction. In essence, Colorado's rules on marriage can differ to those from Massachusetts, and the federal government should have no say in that difference. In this historic decision, the Supreme Court did not do its, do its job and has overstepped its bounds. This judiciary decision was made out of activism, which is very dangerous considering that these people were appointed by the president and not elected. The job of the Supreme Court is to check the constitutionality of bills before they come, become laws. If they observed the Constitution as they should have, they would have realized the power to legally recognize homosexual marriage lies within, within each individual state and not the federal government. So is there a solution? Maybe I'm not qualified to answer this question since I am still very green to marriage. But as a Christian, I am convinced by Scripture 
that a man loving his wife is a gift from God to show how Christ loved the church, as I stated earlier. So to me, in this mindset, nothing should be more sacred than to institute a marriage. But there is a huge X factor, the government. Yes, the think tank that gets together to tell you to wear your seatbelt, makes you register your guns, and steals a percentage of your money before you see it. They also dictate your marriage. So, if marriage is so precious, why would I want something as corrupt and inept as the government controlling it, defining it? As I see it, God has defined marriage. Not a politician, nor a bureaucrat. It is the job of the church, and I mean big C, universal, entire body church, to protect marriage. And why and how the government took responsibility is beyond me. And the fact that gay marriage is now legal does not surprise me in the slightest. How do we expect those who do not follow Christ to live a life that glorifies him? As it's been stated in 1 Corinthians 5. My solution is to get the government out of marriage completely. Alabama has taken the first step in doing this by passing Senate Bill 377. This bill replaces marriage licenses with marriage contracts and prevents the state to define marriage. This would essentially privatize marriage. Allow This allows anyone to marry whomever they desire while allowing religious institutions the freedom to recognize or not recognize this contract in a social setting. This is what the people of this country need. More liberty, less government. The government does not need to tell me how to run my personal affairs. I have the church to do that. I am not alone in this. Senator Rand Paul and the Tenth Amendment Center have made similar statements. It is not a perfect solution, but one that grants more liberty and has the potential to glorify the Creator. In closing, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and my understanding of marriage. For resources on marriage, I recommend visiting DesiringGod.org. John Piper has a plethora of material. Right now, I'll be posting the sound file and script on my blog. Check it out at justin-ski.blogspot.com. I hope to hear from you, and God bless.